audible.com. Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO. Happy Big Ten Championship Week, Hawkeye fans, and welcome to an edition of the Hawk Central Radio Hour here on 1460 KXNO on 106.3 FM that only comes along once every six years, at least at this point. Uh, I am your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. I write about the Hawkeyes, and we are live for the first time in a long time, so feel free to give us a call tonight at 515-284-5966. I got that right, right, Andrew? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, very. it's been a while. Uh, very happy to have Andrew Downs, our friend, uh, lending his expertise as our producer. Uh, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. How you doing, man? I'm happy to be here, man. This is a fun week and a fun time to be part of this show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Andrew, a noted Hawkeye fan and does a great job on the Hawkeye Nation podcast as well. Uh, we are excited to discuss this week's Iowa versus Mick Michigan Big Ten Championship game. And uh, we will touch on Iowa hoops a little bit. Uh, we've got to give them a nod. The 7-0 Hawkeyes are riding high after a road win at 2019 NCAA champ Virginia. That was a really nice win the other night. But the bulk of tonight's show will definitely be focused on the Hawkeyes versus the Wolverines. And uh, we will definitely dig into the nitty-gritty in our second segment with five big questions. All right, man, to get things uh, further rolling, let's welcome in uh, my teammate and Hawkeye Beat partner, Kennington Smith. And I think we're on about our fourth podcast now, Kennington, uh, since the uh, Nebraska game last Friday. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm good. Um, it's been a great day so far. It's been a great week, honestly. Um, a lot of football, a lot of basketball in the mix. So I'm um, an exciting time of the year, and I'm ready to dive into this matchup and um, a little bit of hoops later on. For sure. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you, by the way, if you missed any of the, our previous podcasts, hit them up at hawkcentral.com. So we're not going to delve too much into Black Friday. That was like five days ago. And as I'm looking at the Michigan website right now uh, for my notes, the Big Ten Championship game is like 72 hours away. Like, it's it's here. It's coming. So let's talk about it. Uh, big picture, and I want to get both your thoughts, because, Andrew, you've been a Hawkeye fan for a long time. Kennington, you know the national scene with your SEC background. Of course, I've watched the Hawkeyes now for almost 40 years, <laughs> since 81. So um, what does this mean in this moment? Uh, actually, let's start with you, Andrew, because uh, I always appreciate your perspective, too, especially – a little bit of a fan perspective yeah. here. Uh, I guess just walk me through the mentality as a fan of having this shot now. One win and you're in the Rose Bowl. It's it's hard to quantify because there's there's the part of me that understands how big of a challenge this is for this Hawkeye team, how right. good Michigan is and how well they seem to match up with our weaknesses as a, as a team. But you're right, it's one game, and we've seen Iowa play games even against these Michigan teams that you never thought they were going to win, and they find a way to do it. And so you, you start to th- let yourself think about, okay, what if Iowa wins this? And it's right. the first outright Big, we've t- seen Big Ten championship. Yeah. We've seen it happen. We have. Yeah, again, even against a worse Iowa team, beat a Michigan team kind of similarly <laughs> right. ranked just a handful of years ago. Now, that was in Kinnick Stadium in a little different right. situation. but Same Michigan coach. But, you know, for, for Iowa to have an opportunity to win an outright Big Ten championship, the first since 85, so really the first since I've, like, kind of, yeah, that's a been, good point. Been alive, good point. The first of Kirk Ferentz's career uh, to to get to a Rose Bowl and have a chance. And I don't know if was it you, Chad. I've I've consumed so much of your content, but also of just all Hawkeye content over the last five days. It's all getting mixed up. But somebody made the point that you know with playoff expansion looming. This could be one of the last Rose Bowls that that kind of feels like the old school Rose Bowl, the Big Ten versus the Pac-12. And if Iowa wants to win one of these, this may be the opportunity to do that. You're not going to get there if you lose to Michigan. Uh, so this is a huge opportunity. It's it's wild to think in his 23rd season, this could be, and, and with all the deficiencies we've talked about all year long, right. this could be Kirk Ferentz's most successful Hawkeye team. And I think if they win Saturday, you, you, you have to give them that distinction. Yeah, you definitely be... Uh, they would definitely be in that category. You're right. Uh, uh, through no fault of their own, they shared the 2002 title with Ohio State. And then, of course, in 04, they shared it uh, on the last day with some help, I believe, from Michigan, right? Yeah, that's like, right. So, uh, uh, you know, so, and then Iowa hasn't won the Big Ten since. You know, the West Division title, that 12 and 0, that was neat, but they didn't finish the deal. So here's a chance, Kennington, for the Hawkeyes to uh, win a Big Ten championship in a year, my friend, where the Big Ten has been. 
I mean, I know you're an SEC guy, but it's been a, a pretty good year for the Big Ten. This would be an unbelievable year to win it. Yeah, I think that um, we can all agree that the Big Ten has been the best conference in college football this year. He said it. Oh, my. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm an unbiased member of the media. I have to tell it straight. And the Big Ten has been the best conference top to bottom. And for, for Iowa to be in this spot, I mean, it's huge. Like, the way that I look at it is big picture in terms of what this means for advancing the brand, which we spoke a lot about this year, uh, most notably during the week of Penn State, that this is just a huge opportunity for Iowa to display themselves on a national scale. I think that they did so against Penn State. They reached number two in the country. And then that two-game skid kind of gave maybe people who looked at them with uh, a pessimistic attitude some ammunition to say that Iowa isn't who you know we thought they were early in the year or this team wasn't worthy of being a, a top-ranked team. But they've rolled the ship, and this is an opportunity for them to get back on that national stage again against a team like Michigan, who is looking at, um, at a potential college football playoff berth. And that's an opportunity for this team to, to go toe-to-toe with them and to prove that Iowa's brand and this team specifically can compete with the, with the best in the country. Obviously, the playoffs um, are out of the window unless something like super crazy happens. But um, an opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl, which if you're a, a Big Ten team, that's like the – kind of like the pinnacle of of your season if you're not going to be in the playoffs and it's something to to be proud of and to hold your hat on. So huge opportunity for Iowa nationally. I know the players and the coaches are excited to to put their best foot forward and kind of display who they are once again uh, for the world to see. One thing that's been exciting, I guess, for me to watch as somebody who's followed the Hawkeyes for so long, um, uh, since childhood, you know, uh, and I've never seen Iowa win a Rose Bowl. I mean, my, my first memories of Hawkeye football – are the 1981 season. I've, I've told this story before. My parents coming home from the Nebraska game, and they like won the game, and they were stunned that year. Uh, I just remember remember that. And, uh, you know, I've seen the Hawkeyes. I saw in the Hayden Fryer them get to three Rose Bowls. They didn't win them. They lost that that big postseason game. Uh, you know, they've the one chance they got with under Ferentz, they lost. Uh, the one time, uh, you know, you had USC in the Orange Bowl for that after that 2002 season. Kind of a disappointing game after the first uh, ten seconds. Uh, now you now the Hawks did win that 2009 Orange Bowl, Andrew. Yeah, but, and that was fun. But it's it was Georgia Tech. Right. It was uh, yeah. you know uh, the nine or no dream season fell apart. Uh, I just it's just such a major. That's why I just keep we keep talking about this word opportunity. To me, it's just an opportunity to undo those past wrongs. We have not seen the Hawkeyes win a Rose Bowl since uh, my dad was like 13. <laughs> and, and unlike that, the, the 2009 season you referenced and the 2015 season, it feels like if you got into the Rose Bowl this year, you'd be like on an upward trajectory, and it'd be, it right. would be like something to gain there. It wouldn't feel like you lost the perfect season in 09. It wouldn't feel like you lost the Big Ten Championship and the chance at a playoff in, in 2015. This would feel like, hey, this team kind of, as they were down after week seven and eight when they got beaten in two back-to-back games, they rallied, they they came together. They found a way to win, ugly or or not. They found ways to win. And if Iowa could get to a Rose Bowl and let let alone win a Rose Bowl in this season, it would be remarkable. And that's uh, we're talking about all the ifs, and we were going to get into the hows in the second segment here. Uh, last thing I wanted to bring up uh, again, just a historical perspective here. We've never seen a season like this under Kirk Ferentz. The twenty three years. It's uh, a friend of mine texted me this a while back, and it said it's, it's been like a U shaped season. We haven't seen that interference where it's just been this rapid fire, fast start, and then you have the lull in the middle, and then the big finish at the end. We ha- we've seen the slow starts, big finish at the end. We've seen the fast starts fade at the end, but we haven't seen how a Ferentz team does this go from the top to you know, some eh, middle part which was really frustrating i know for three weeks um four on the calendar between penn state and uh I don't know who they break the string against i don't even remember was it northwestern western yeah so um and now here here the hawkeyes are with a chance to uh you know go 11 and 2 and then maybe 12 and 2 i don't know do you, 
isn't that interesting, Andrew? I guess I'm, I'm watching you nod your head. Is uh, it's just we just haven't seen this. We don't know what's going to happen. You're right, and, and it's because for so long it felt like Ferentz teams started slow, right, and then kind of built through the season. And once once you hit November, they were really kind of peaking, and it would almost get frustrating because they, like, hey, by the end of the season, we could we could have beat some of these teams. And then we've seen the other way in 2015. They come out strong, they they play well, and then it falls apart at the end. This U-shaped season, as you as you put it, is a good way to put it because it's it's weird. And I will say as, as a fan I lost so much of my excitement and hype after the the Purdue and Wisconsin losses mm-hmm. and then the way that they've won the last four games and the win is the only thing that matters but the way that they've won hasn't really gotten me fully back on board of like the hype train it really wasn't until Minnesota beat Wisconsin <laughs> and the difference I felt in those 24 hours from you know the end of the Nebraska game which was great and it was fun to beat Nebraska but until Wisconsin lost, and Iowa was now playing for a Big Ten championship. That's the first time, and it took me a couple of hours that that evening, Saturday evening, to kind of really wrap my head around the fact that, oh, we get another game, and it's a big game. This is, other than the playoff, I think this is probably the biggest game Iowa can play in the Big Ten championship. And uh, so now kind of all that excitement is has built back up again, and I am kind of uh, maybe overly confident about this team right now, which is it's a good place to be as a fan. <laughs> I agree, and it's fun to see Iowa fans. Uh, I mean, you just see it on social media; they're just they're ready to go to Indy, and they might be on their way already. Actually, as I'm talking, um, but they're excited to go see this team and, and cheer them on. They remember what it was like to stripe out the Lucas Oil Stadium six years ago. It's been a long time. Uh, should we hit the phones? Guys, all right, Anthony. We we have to start with Anthony because the one time I didn't, they lost. So we start with a different caller. Anthony, you're first, first in our hearts. How you doing? Pretty good, Chad Kennington. How you guys doing this evening? Uh, uh, good. Thanks. We're doing great. Excited. Well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pumped up with this uh, Big Ten championship on Friday night. Actually, it's going to be a busy week as well. Comparing oh, not only the football. But you got the women's and men's basketball coming up uh, the next couple of nights this week. Uh, right, the question is for the football team. <clears throat> Excuse me. What are your concerns about Iowa's offense against Michigan's defense? I mean, we saw what Michigan did to Ohio State last week. Uh, my question is, can our offense match up with Michigan's defense? And a basketball question I have for you this for this coming week. Uh, do you see a good test when Iowa men and women play at Duke tomorrow night and soon to be number one land for due Friday night? Hey, guys, I'll hang up and listen and uh, go Hawks. Thanks, Anthony. Yeah, I think we're going to hear a lot of go Hawks this week uh, in the state of Iowa and in Indy. Uh, Kennington, let's throw it to you. Biggest concern uh, for Iowa's offense on Saturday night, I think it has to be the the matchup between the the tackles on the exterior of the offensive line going up against Michigan, the defensive ends who have gotten a lot of press run this week for for their combined efforts. Uh, Twenty four sacks between them since 1980, I believe um, the statistic was. They have two of the top four sack totals in one season. They're playing on opposite sides of each other. So uh, for me, it's a it's a matchup of Plum and DeYoung and, and Mason Richmond plays as well against those two guys. And, um, you know, getting the ball running on, on the ground to maybe, you know, alleviate some pressure that they could bring um, from the edge in terms of, you know, crashing the pocket and rushing the passer. But um, that's my biggest concern is those two, and we've seen this before against Purdue, what one – defensive lineman yeah. can do how he can wreck a game plan and now you have two that are seemingly um, equal in terms of wreaking havoc at one time yeah, of course, we're talking about Aiden Hutchinson, uh, who Kirk Ferentz compared to uh, John Randall of the NFL, like like NFL version of John Randall and David Ojabo, who has 11 sacks. So Hutchinson 13, Ojabo 11. Uh, yeah, it, it, those that remember the Iowa 2019 game at Michigan, the Hawks give up eight sacks in that game. <laughs> and the Hawks had Tristan Wirfs in that game. So uh, don't have Tristan Wirfs. That would be nice to have him in this one. I actually think that would be a fun matchup to watch, to be honest. 
Um, and then on basketball, Anthony, yeah, uh, uh, Purdue will be number one if they beat Iowa on Friday night or Saturday. Yeah, Friday night. Uh, Kennington will be there. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But uh, the Hawkeyes are uh, just terrible in Mackey Arena. So uh, just watch that one and, and stay calm no matter what. Uh, let's hit up Justin and Urbandale who's calling in, uh, Andrew, um, as we delve into this Iowa-Michigan game a little more. Justin, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Excited for some live Hawk Central. Um, Chad, I will take responsibility for that loss when he didn't take Anthony first because I was the one that Yeah, you it. cut in front of him. Yeah. yeah, I beat Anthony. Appreciate you owning up to it. Yep. Yeah, I, w- <laughs> I will never do it again. Never do it again. Um, hey, listen, first off, I, I think this Hawkeye basketball team just might be fun to watch this year. Um, so I'm excited for this season. Um, second of all, uh, you were asking Andrew, you know, how, how you're feeling as a fan. Well, I, as a fan, personally, I feel better about Iowa's chances when they're playing Ohio State or Michigan than I do when they're playing teams like Northwestern and Purdue. <laughs> That's true. So, yeah. Yeah. That's funny, and, isn't it? So, right. And, and Iowa's had some recent success. What are they, five and seven, like in the last seven games or something like that against Michigan? Maybe that's not right. I don't know. But They've been pretty um, good against Michigan in the last decade. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm, I'm liking their chances. And I was kind of the same way. I, I was, uh, as Andrew, as Saturday, you know, as it kept wearing on to the night, I, it, it just, it kept being more real to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And you know, I didn't even wake up like Monday morning till it really dawned on me. Oh my gosh, you're going to the Big Ten championship game. Um, uh, but here's my question though, because it, I, I almost feel like it's sacrilegious to talk about Iowa to go to the Rose Bowl at this point. This is my big beef with the playoff. And I, th- and I don't think it's going to get better when, when they expand. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think that the prerequisite for getting into the playoff is to win a conference championship. I, I don't see how they can justify it. And I thought the whole the point behind the fourteen playoff was to get you know I, I don't know they they still go they're still going with the rankings with the fourteen right. playoff just like they did with the BCS and you know nothing really changed all that much. Um, so I, I honestly, I think if Iowa wins this, my personal opinion, they need to be in the playoffs. They're the Big Ten champions, and so I know that's putting the cart before the horse. But I'm curious uh, if you guys kind of maybe agree with me on that, or do you think that when they do the, the playoff expansion, that that's going to be mm-hmm. like the major prerequisite a conference championship to get in? Thanks, Justin. Appreciate that. And go Hawks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I wrote a little bit about this um, yesterday. I think. I think Iowa has uh, probably a 0.1% chance of getting into the playoff with a win. Uh, just the committee made it absolutely clear that they, uh, uh, you know, they put Iowa at 13. Uh, Iowa does not have any top 25 wins currently because uh, they dropped Minnesota out. Or Minnesota's not in there. Purdue's not in there. Wisconsin's not in there. So really, there's only four Big Ten teams in there. Penn State's not in there. Iowa State's not in there. Iowa Iowa had these quality wins earlier in the year, and um, you know because of where those teams ended up and not in this top twenty-five. Uh, you know, Iowa's being docked for that. And uh, yeah, in the future, in the in the future, eight or twelve team playoff. I believe the twelve team model would be best. Uh, I you know I think the proposed model is the four. Uh, or the top four seeds, conference champions, would get automatic buys. So, yes, in the future, this game would be a – you would earn a top four seed in the 12-team playoff and get a buy. So you'd essentially be in the quarterfinals. So I look forward to that. And then a funny – you know, if you think about it, this would be a a win-and-in thing for the Hawkeyes in a 12-team playoff in the future and win win or lose and you're not in. So – a future like that is fun, but it's it's fun to talk about uh, one that has a Rose Bowl at the end of it. Uh, you are listening to Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. I'm Chad Leistico talking Iowa football with Kennington Smith and KXNO's Andrew Downs. Very excited about that. Um, I wanted to, hey guys, I wanted to look at this and see what you thought. I know we're kind of running out of time in this first segment, but I thought this was really interesting to compare these two teams. I know we all think Michigan uh, has a way better resume than Iowa's right now, but if you look at the schedules, they've been amazingly similar. All right, Both teams won against a team playing for a MAC title. That's uh, Kent State for Iowa, Northern Illinois for Michigan, and then another, uh, you know, another team that you beat up on. Uh, both of them blew out Maryland in College Park. Both 
eked out wins against Penn State, both improbable. If you watch that Michigan game, they got uh, a broken coverage at the end of the game to win that. Uh, both handled Indiana at home. You look at the scores, almost identical. Ah, identical. There's my cousin Vinny reference. Uh, Michigan win at home against Rutgers by seven. You, I think you can compare that uh, pretty favorably with Iowa's home win against Illinois. Uh, maybe the Iowa win's even a little more impressive, honestly. Uh, Iowa lost to Purdue, but Michigan lost to Michigan State, which got beat by Purdue. I think you kind of put those in the same pile, to be honest. I think Purdue's uh, every bit as good as, as Michigan State, in my opinion. Iowa-Michigan uh, both pulled out fourth-quarter squeakers at Nebraska. So, it, again, same thing. Now, Michigan does have a better win than Iowa. Ohio State, absolutely no question, is a better win than Iowa's best win, Minnesota. Still think that's a good win for Iowa, but it's not as good. I agree. But there's really one big difference on the whole schedule, and it's at Wisconsin. Michigan went in there and trucked the Badgers by 21. Hawks lost there by 20. Uh, Kennington, I'll start with you. What do you make of kind of the similarities and then the one difference? Yeah, um, in terms of, of similarities, I think that even another similarity is kind of where these two teams were perceived at the beginning of the season. Uh, when you look at the, the preseason polls, Iowa was an overwhelming, um, I guess, not favorite, but they Wisconsin was an overwhelming favorite to win that division. I believe 29 of 34 first-place votes went to them. You're looking at the other side of the division, everybody kind of penciled in Ohio State, and the questions around Jim Harbaugh was, was he even going to survive this year if they weren't, be, if they weren't going to beat Ohio State again? Not many people were giving Michigan a chance, and yet these two teams have kind of persevered and fought their way, and now they're meeting um, in a championship. What I make of, of the one difference, I just think that, you know, Michigan being able to go in there and Wisconsin and have a statement win like that um, just says a lot about the type of teams they have. Um, Andrew said it earlier; they're obviously extremely talented, um, extremely well coached, and they look the they look the part. They look like a team of, of loaded with four and five star kids. They look like a team that is primed to to compete for um, a national championship pending a, a win uh, on Saturday. So. And it was kind of funny to kind of compare a team like that with all these four and five star kids and kind of like that blue blood type of tradition and then comparing it to a, um, a school like Iowa. And throughout the season, a lot has been made about kind of how Iowa is a team of underdogs and their recruiting rankings and all of those things. And now they're converging in one place and have a chance to compete for a championship. Iowa caught Wisconsin when it was playing its best football of the season. Michigan caught Wisconsin when it was playing its worst football of the season. Now, yeah, the way the teams played each other, Iowa deserves an F for the yes. way it played offensively in that game. No question about it. But I feel like Iowa's, uh, I feel like Michigan's caught teams at the right time, if you look at the schedule. They even got Ohio State in the snow on Saturday. What a, what a break for a, a ground control team. Andrew, your thoughts? I had never lined up the resumes like that, so that, that does give me a little more confidence or at least a, a little more idea that Iowa can pull off an upset here Saturday night. I will say, though, I think that all of the national perception on Michigan changed so much Saturday afternoon. Yeah. When they beat Ohio State, and especially the way they beat Ohio State, and how kind of high we all were on Ohio State leading up to that. I mean, we thought, oh, Ohio State, Georgia, those are the only two teams worthy of, of a national championship, and then Michigan goes and, and kind of trounces them, and so that really changed the perception of Michigan, and I think that's a lot of what we're seeing right now in the national media, in the, the betting line of this game, all yep. of this was coming off of that win, they look like a great team all of a sudden, and Iowa just hasn't looked great the last several weeks. No, so and they really haven't. They haven't. <laughs> they haven't, but... But they found but ways to win, Chad. You get one found exactly. ways to win. And they've got one chance here. You give them one, you know, that's what you want. You want a chance. All right, we got one more caller to squeeze in this segment. Randy, thanks for calling. Uh, appreciate you joining Hawk Central. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Good. Hey, we came a long way. When I was a kid, I'm in my mid-50s. When I was a kid, the bowl games were over. A bunch of sports writers sat around and voted on who they thought the best team in the country was. True. Ridiculous. We came a long way. The BCS was tainted. The playoffs now is just that pretty much continued with all the ratings. So I guess I don't understand why it's so hard to make a playoff. They make it seem like it's some astronomical thing that's so hard to do <laughs> when Division Two and Division Three does it yep. without problems. You're right. You're right. Uh, the thing that kills me, too, is how can you say that uh, if, if, if the, the SEC champ is always in the playoffs, regardless of the record, but a Big Ten champion could, be, could not be in the playoffs? It just doesn't make any sense. 
you're going to have you you're in in basketball, college basketball. If you play a bunch of tough teams like Mike Krzyzewski does throughout the year, and they lose six, seven, eight games, by the time they're the playoffs or the time the tournament starts, they're ready to go. So you're rewarded for that in a way. But in college football, if you play some tough teams and you lose, you're done. Yeah. Especially if you lose them at the beginning or at the end of the year. If you lose them at the beginning of the year, you can still fight back. But if you lose last game of the season, you're done, regardless of what you did. So the whole thing is just set up to, to put Clemson, LSU, and Alabama in it. Because if Georgia smokes Alabama, Alabama's still getting into the playoffs. That's possible. There's never been a two-loss team in the playoff. Thanks, Randy. Really appreciate it. we got to run to our, our first break here momentarily. But let me just point out, I'm very curious to see. If Iowa somehow wins this game, you're going to have four two-loss Big Ten teams. I wonder, is Iowa on the top of that pile? Or do they push Ohio State up? It's going to be very fascinating to see what, what the country really thinks of the Iowa Hawkeyes. But we will find that out if the Hawkeyes win. Coming up next, Kennington, Andrew, and I will dig into five big questions about Saturday's Big Ten Championship game, Iowa versus Michigan. You're listening to 1460 KXNO and 100. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. I'm your host, Chad Leistico, sports columnist of the Des Moines Register, along with Hawkeyes beat reporter Kennington Smith and our good friend Andrew Downs of KXNO, the best pinch-hitting producer of all time. Oh, thank you. We are, uh, we're cutting off the phone calls, though, because we got to dive into this Iowa-Michigan preview. Uh, Saturday's matchup is 7.17 p.m. kickoff at Lucas Oil Stadium. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft on the call on the Fox broadcast. Michigan, I think, is favored by 10.5, the last I've seen. Over-under is 43.5. Dome conditions. Caleb Shudak says his range might even go up to 61 or 62 on Saturday. So 45-yard line, you're in field goal range, baby. Let's dive into five big questions. Number one, and uh, as you guys know, these questions set up talking points. So the first question is, does Iowa score points in the first quarter? The Hawkeyes have not been a good first quarter team at all, especially on offense. And on the flip side, Michigan has allowed 19 points this entire season in the first quarter. Guys, I'll start with you, Kennington. Can the Hawkeyes find a way to uh let's say a push in the or just points in the first quarter what do you think yeah i think that that's um, critical in this game when you look at iowa season they've been able to overcome double digit deficits three times this year but this is not the type of game where where you no. want to find yourself in that position especially with the defensive front for michigan that we spoke on earlier i think that they're uh, will be opportunities for for Iowa to score in the first quarter. A lot of that is just going to have to deal with how they establish the run early on. Which in the month of November, they've been really good in terms of pushing the pushing the line of scrimmage and kind of controlling the the pace of the game. I feel like they'll have at least three points in, in the first quarter. There might even be a situation where there's a a point where they might go for it on fourth down versus kicking a field goal. I think it just kind of depends on the temperature in the room at that time. But I think they'll get at least three points on the board. Oh, bold, that's like a bold prediction there, Kennington. The Hawkeyes are going to score in the first quarter. I think the Hawkeyes have deferred on the toss lately. I think this. I think this time you take the ball. I think you try to make something happen, get a lead in this game. If you go three and out, it could be trouble. But I, I, I don't know, Andrew. I think just a gut feel, and and Kirk Ferentz has talked about gut feels with his quarterback. My gut feel is Brian Ferentz is going to have a good game plan for this. The guys are going to be locked in. I like the decision going back to Petrus uh, as much as I've liked. I like the decision to go to Padilla before. I like this position. I don't know. I just have, for what do you have the same feel? I just think the Iowa offense will have something for the Wolverines in this game. I do, yeah. I, I have faith in Brian Ferentz to be able to script that first couple of drives or first drive or however long that goes. I have faith in Spencer Petras and in Tyler Goodson in this kind of improving offensive line and improving run game. Uh, I'll preface this. I, I'm I'm going to come at the rest of the show as from kind of the fan angle, right? You guys are yes, journalists, right, we understand. and that, that's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be the optimistic fan. And yeah, I do think Iowa will score in the first quarter. I think their offense will, will come out and surprise some people and, and look pretty good. Um, and, and maybe it is 
three points. Maybe it is a 60-yard field goal from Caleb <laughs> Shudak. Maybe it does come after a fourth down conversion or something like that. But I, I do have faith in this offense to come out uh, and, and kind of mix up the game plan enough to kind of throw Michigan, like a lot of offenses do to Iowa's defense early in the game, kind of throw them off and make them adjust a little bit. I think I like Iowa's offense to do that to Michigan here. Yeah, uh, first and second down so critical for the Hawkeyes because you cannot take uh, many negative plays and set up third and long against their pass rush. All right, number two, uh, Michigan's Hassan Haskins, named today a first-team All-Big Ten running back, uh, is the best running back that Iowa has faced since, and you can fill in the blank. Kennington, I'll, I'll start with you. If we're talking about just this season, I feel like, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin is probably the only running back that can probably compare to him in terms of just ability. They face good rushing attacks, like Minnesota, for example, but that was with uh, right. running backs very far down the depth chart, and they just had a really good lineman that could kind of push them ahead. So we're just talking about pound-for-pound pound skill um, and one player. I'll probably say since Braylon Allen, but this seems like kind of a question where you would have to kind of go back maybe a few years um, in time. So with that, I'll kind of defer to y'all as um, the resident Hawkeye experts. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've. It's funny. I always face so many good receivers this year. They have. That's been the 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 big playmakers on the other side of the ball. They haven't faced kind of that. Um, the guy that that's that scares I think Iowa fans the most that I, in recent memory is Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if I'd go back that far. But, uh, you know, Mo, Mo, Mo Ibrahim didn't, like, scare me last year for Minnesota. Uh, and Brees Hall is a good running back. Absolutely give him credit, but Iowa handled him pretty well. I, uh, Hassan Haskins, here's the stat that is just crazy. He has t- 1,238 uh, gross rushing yards this year. He has six lost yardage. He's lost six yards on carries this year. Tyler Goodson loses that on one outside zone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just... Uh, he falls forward. He gets yards with almost every play. It also speaks to Michigan's offensive line, and he's within one of Michigan's uh, season touchdown record for a running back. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's I'm not. I'm a little bit concerned about Iowa's rush defense, Andrew. Yeah, I am as well. Um, and you talk about a guy who's going to break a record in Michigan. A storied program like yeah. that. Any record that falls there is is a big deal. Uh, I'll say Brees Hall because. He has shown to be very, very good and yeah. consistent. Now, he was, I think, fighting an injury in the game earlier this season against Iowa, so he probably wasn't at 100%, and Iowa did handle him. But I do think Hassan Haskins is probably the best running back since then, uh, mostly because I'm not going to give love to a, a Wisconsin player the way Kennington <laughs> did. Yeah, Hassan Haskins, 6'1", 220. Um, just a tough guy to bring down. They, and Iowa's undersized defensive line. That, to me, on defense is is the most concerning matchup of the game, and that's why I put it in the rundown. All right, number three, uh, Kennington, you're, our, you're kind of our Doughboys expert. You've been writing about them all year, so I'm going to throw this to you first. Do the Doughboys, uh, for those that don't know, Iowa's defense and basically secondary, uh, make history on Saturday. The, the Hawkeyes with 22 interceptions this season, obviously notching uh, the Jamari Harris pick the other day. Do they make history? 23 is a school record. They've got 22, which leads the nation. Yeah, this is interesting because Michigan's K. McNamara at quarterback only has three interceptions all year, but Iowa has been in situations like this before. You look at the Northwestern game, I believe they only have four giveaways leading up to that game, which was late in the year, and they had um, – Several interceptions in that game. Three, yep. three interceptions in that game. So this is a defense that is that is prone to putting um, offenses in positions where they turn the ball over at a higher clip than than what they're used to. Um, for me, I think it's a lot more likely that they tie the record. Okay. Um, okay. 24, Twenty-four interceptions. It just kind of depends on how the game is going um, at that point. But I do think that they're fully capable uh, of tying the record and getting at least one. If they do get multiple interceptions, to me that signifies that Michigan is throwing the ball a lot more. Maybe it's a tighter game than, than they expected. They're not able to get the running game going, which would be great news for Iowa. But I, I feel comfortable locking in at one interception and tying the record. So no Matt Hankins this week. He is out for the year. Uh, kind of knew that probably, but uh, tough blow for the Hawkeyes. Good news is Terry Roberts is back, uh, but I think we'll still see uh, three PCLs out there, one with Riley Moss and two with Jamari Harris. Uh, who's playing better out there? He is. And, yeah, he's, uh, he's looked improved. And you got to like Dane Belton. Uh, I think he is just such a critical player as the cash here. 
Uh, Michigan runs a lot out of 11 personnel, so he's going to be on the field a lot. Justin Jacobs will be on the field whenever uh, Michigan goes two tight ends. But I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? Um, can the Hawkeyes make Michigan pass enough uh, to make Cade McNamara, who really isn't a great quarterback, right. but he's been kind of that game manager type that uh, has led a very, very balanced Michigan offense. Yeah, hasn't needed to do much in the passing game with the, with the way that running game has been all season. I, I do think Iowa gets at least one interception here. I'll, I'll go an extra step, though. I'll say they're going to break that record. They'll, they'll get they'll get a couple. They'll get at least two. I like Riley Moss to kind of stake his claim as the best D-back in the Big Ten. He won that award this week, I think rightfully so, but I like him, just his ball hawkness. Um, and, and as Kennington alluded to, and, and I know we'll We'll talk about it with question number five here. If you're looking at a possible path for Iowa to win, it's make Michigan yeah. one-dimensional in the passing game. And if you can force uh, Michigan to throw the ball and Caden McNamara to have to throw the ball more than he's used to, that's when Iowa makes hay. If I was going to win, that's going to have to happen. I'm going to say optimistic. So, yeah, I'll say Iowa gets at least one interception Saturday night. Well, uh, in studying this Michigan team, uh, this is a team uh, – the stats are incredible. They average like 220 – Six yards rushing and 224 passing, something like that. So it's just, it's like, uh, Kirk Ferentz, you know, what he would emulate in terms of balance. Um, but they take a lot of deep shots. They'll take, not a lot, but like they'll take, they'll run, 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 and then they'll take maybe three deep shots a game. And, uh, from what I understand, they, they usually connect on one in a game. So they will give Iowa that opportunity. To make a play on you know deep in the secondary, it's just a matter of can they do it. That's a it's a big question. I'm gonna just just to be a contrarian, I'll say no interceptions. But uh, but I agree, path to victory requires some. Uh, you are listening to Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. I am Chad Leistico with Kennington Smith and Andrew Downs, and we are previewing Iowa versus Michigan with our five big questions. Moving on to number four at a nice fast pace here. How did the intangibles play out in India? And this is a great topic, I feel like, because it can go a lot of different directions. Uh, I'm thinking of a lot of different things in my head, but I don't want to be, any, I don't want to spoil anything here, Kennington. So what, when you think about the intangibles and, and what factors that might play into the outcome here, what do you think of? Yeah. What, to me, what I think of is when we're talking about the word opportunity, obviously a huge opportunity. For Iowa, also a huge opportunity for Michigan. This is a program that for all of the tradition that they have for, you know, the greater part of a decade and even a little bit um, before then have not been in the national championship conversation. And a lot of that is because um, they haven't been able to kind of get over that hump that is Ohio State. So for them to get over that hump, they're in a huge position right now, an opportunity for them to advance into the Coswell playoff. And then for Iowa, I think that, and we got the sense and talking to the players earlier this week that there's just been so much media hype around Michigan and a lot of national pundits are pretty much writing them into the, the college football playoff already and not giving uh, much attention to, to Iowa and kind of the past that they've um, carved out for themselves to, to make it to this point. And there's even been people who have said Iowa's kind of backdoored their way into this championship game. So a lot of motivational Iowa side to come out and make a statement and show that they belong. So that's kind of what I'm looking at is two teams, I think, from from two different perspectives, but they're looking at at this game as a huge opportunity to kind of take that next step as a program. So for the fans and for the media, when you have two teams kind of with with those storylines and that amount of motivation converging on one place, um, it's going to be a highly competitive, highly uh, emotional and an intense game, and that's um, all you want as a fan watching it and as us media members will get a chance to cover it. Well, and as we alluded to a little bit earlier in the show, Andrew, Iowa in this role where everyone doubts them, everyone penciling in Michigan, like, like Kennington said, this is the type of role that Iowa relishes. And we, we do believe they've got good players. They've, this is a good team. I mean, this is a 10 and two team. They've won some big games this year. They've won a lot of close games and that shows some grit too. They've, you know, I have zero doubt that this Iowa team is going to fight for 60 minutes. That is something that it sounds like Ohio State did not do, according to Michigan coaches. Um, and also, the other thing is the emotional element for Michigan. We've talked about this at nauseum and some of our other podcasts, but how do you possibly bounce back from what just happened? You just This would be like, seriously, this would be like, I don't want to make this comparison like flippantly, but if Iowa State had beat, you know, had lost to Iowa eight straight years. What are we on? Six or seven yeah. now? And finally beat them, you know, 
the week before the Big 12 championship game, there'd be a lot to come down from, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, so with, with that, with the what happened last week, and then what's ahead of Michigan if they win this game, it's easy to see them kind of look past this Hawkeye team. And I know they're going to say the right things, but they're going to get into their Saturday night, and it's going to be a dogfight. You're exactly right. I was going to dirty this thing up, and they're, they're going to fight for this. And is Michigan ready for that? Or have they been you know, remembering what happened last week and thinking about what's to come with the college football playoff? If they're not ready to go on Saturday night, and with some of these intangibles, you could see how they wouldn't be, Iowa could catch them. Them. And we again, we've seen it happen before a lot of times before, where Iowa kind of dirties up a game, really mucks things up, and wins on a, a you know field goal with fewer points scored than than anybody ever thought would was possible. Yeah, it was thirteen eleven to the last kick in two thousand sixteen, <laughs> in the most uh, you know ugly it up game you could possibly think of. That Michigan team in sixteen was averaging like forty seven like points a game. Yeah, I mean, they, they were, like were a just, thirty point favorite. Yeah, Jabril Peppers. I mean, they had everybody. Uh, so anyway, uh, bring that up, and I'm just I'm very curious, guys, uh, to see what percentage of fans Iowa has in attendance because you know Michigan fans are coming for this one too. Uh, I've seen Michigan fans boldly predict seventy thirty, maybe eighty twenty. Uh, I think it's probably going to be closer to fifty fifty. Depends right. how many Iowa fans sold their tickets after the losses. <laughs> so I think a lot of people bought tickets after that Penn State game. Did they hold True. on to them, and True. are they planning to be there? Because if they yeah. did, we could have a good That's good a great point. There. That's a great point, Andrew. All right, uh, question number five, guys, and uh, this is probably the one where uh, you know, we need the, the longest conversation. I know we're running out of time, but uh, aside from, let's say, a Maryland-esque or Indiana-esque or Iowa State-esque plus four slash plus seven turnover margin, what is Iowa's strategic path to victory? We're in the... We're in the game planning rooms right now with the Iowa coaching staff. What are they talking about, Kennington? They're they're talking about staying ahead of the chains and converting on third down. When you look at Iowa's team this year, they're towards the bottom of the Big Ten in terms of third down conversions, about 34%. When you look at Michigan's defense, they're among the best in the Big Ten in third down, um, stopping their opponents on third down at 33%. So this looks like a matchup. It's kind of tailor-made for Michigan. They can force Iowa into negative plays. They can force them into third and long situations. You allow those defensive ends to pin their their ears back and and, and collapse the pocket and and create some havoc for Iowa. So the the name of the game for me is to stay ahead of the chains, get some forward momentum moving, sustain drives. If they cannot sustain drives and they leave their defense out on the field for long periods of time, it's, it's only a matter of time before one run, you know, breaks here and turns into a long gain or, or maybe they're, they're tired in the, in the secondary and then a big play happens through the air. So they have to be able to sustain drives, um, keep the defense fresh, um, and, and give them an opportunity to score. I think the, the Nebraska game was a great example of how the offense was able to kind of control the pace of the game, extend drives, mm-hmm. and stay on the field. Even if some of those drives didn't turn into touchdowns and some of those drives didn't even net any points, but that was um, time for the defense to rest, make adjustments, especially because Nebraska um, was kind of moving the ball and scoring some points. So the same type of strategy in this game, uh, but obviously you, you'll want to finish them a few more drives. Andrew, I'll throw it to you. Uh, you're in the meetings. Uh, what are you talking about right now? It's it's keep the pocket clean for Spencer Petrus and have the uh, willingness to to make that change if you need to. If if Petrus isn't getting it done, and yeah. I, I now feel more confident than I ever have in the 23 years under Kirk Ferentz that they're willing to make a change at quarterback. If it needs to be Alex Padilla in the second half because of his mobility, mm-hmm. uh, then you, they they need to make that change. I again, I'm confident they'll be able to do that. Uh, I hope they won't need to do that because if you do, you're probably in a, a bad situation at half time yeah uh this isn't a, a you know it's a little bit more of a hope but i think something that iowa fans should look for on saturday night is can they make jim harbaugh be a little bit conservative maybe think okay if we just don't mess this up yes we can beat iowa maybe he gets a little scared of the secondary that has 22 interceptions and just plays it real close to the vest i feel like pj fleck almost did that a little too much a couple weeks ago Maybe you lull them into that grind it out match and steal it at the end. At the on the same time, I think you trust Spencer Petrus as much as you possibly can. You've you've shown trust in him now for two straight years. The guy the guy has an arm. Uh, he's got the trust of his teammates. I think you trust him to make some plays uh, down the field. Uh, yeah, 
I, you know, we all remember the CJ Beathard throw to Tavon Smith. I don't know if he's got an 85 yard touchdown pass in him, but that's the type of thing that it might take to win this game. All right. That was a fun conversation, guys. Really appreciate it. Come up, coming up next, we will hear from Kennington. Uh, what he learned from Fran McCaffrey today, for a few minutes anyway, uh, as Iowa uh, basketball gets ready to open Big Ten play Friday at Purdue. And then we will give you the rock-solid Big Ten title game predictions right here on 1460 KXNO and 100%. Common sense. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. I am your host, Chad Lystico with Kennington Smith of the Des Moines Register. Make sure to check out the podcast if you missed any of tonight's show of our Iowa-Michigan preview. Thanks to Andrew Downs, who's with us for his diligent work every week to get those up on Apple. Uh, basketball, Iowa defeated Virginia on Monday night. Normally, a normal week we would talk about this one most of the hour, but uh, the Hawkeyes uh, with a last-second win against the Cavs. Joe Toussaint with the big shot. Patrick McCaffrey with the big block. What a block that was. That was like a Nicholas Bear block. Uh, but now a bigger a test awaits. bigger test waits on Friday at Purdue. Purdue, a better team, I think, uh, than Virginia. 8 p.m. Central Time, uh, Kennington. Uh, you are headed to Mackey Arena. Uh, brace yourself, man. It's uh, <laughs> Hawkeye fans uh, know this usually doesn't go well. Uh, what are you expecting Friday night? Yeah, well, the first thing that I'm expecting in uh, what you said about Mackey is the fact that it's a sellout crowd. We had Jordan Bohannon today for availability, and he said that it's hard to compare Mackey to any other um, arena that he's played in. He said it's one of the loudest places that he's played in in his career. So the first thing that I'm looking forward to um, is just taking in the atmosphere, and I'm sure it's going to be deafening in there uh, with the with the number one team um, pending um, coming in there to, to to play a game against the Big Ten foe. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I'm looking at is just kind of the the obvious size disparity between Iowa and Purdue. Uh, Iowa, they're the only Big man in rotation right now is uh, Philip Robracha, uh, Joshua Gunley, and Riley Mobley didn't play the other night, so maybe they will play against Purdue and um, you know Zach Eady, who's seven four, and they have a few other guys who are near seven footers, so maybe they might play um, to, to to balance some things out. But that's the main matchup that I'm looking for is um, how can Iowa establish presence in the paint offensively. Um, defensively, how are they going to compare? What are the rebounding margins going to look like? Purdue's the best rebounding team in the Big Ten right now. Ooh. So those are, you know, kind of a few quick hitters uh, of what I'm looking forward to um, taking in on Friday night. Just a bad, it's a bad matchup for the Hawkeyes. I think this Iowa team is going to be pretty fun this year. But when they face these teams with gigantic size, that's where they're going to run into trouble, Andrew. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we and we saw that against what North Carolina Central kind of owned them at the rim a little bit. And I think you're right. There's going to be some bad nights in Big Ten play against teams like this. Friday's probably going to be one of them. Yeah. So, and, uh, hey, some Hawk fans are going over there. Who knows? Maybe it starts a magical weekend. Uh, just like Iowa beat the number one team right before the Rose Bowl back in uh, the 15-16 season, and they won in Mackey Arena that year too. By the way. All right. Uh, anything else we learned from McCaffrey today, uh, Cannington, real quick? I think that um, the biggest takeaway that I got was just um, how big that win against Virginia was. Uh, one reason being for the fact that they went on the road and played against a hostile environment, and that should help them against Purdue. Um, but just kind of looking ahead to the rest of their slate, they've had a they've had a pretty easy go the first six games, but it's really about to pick up now. They had Virginia, Purdue. On Friday, you followed it up with Illinois and then Iowa State, who's ranked in the same week. And then starting up the, the new year, when they get back into Big Ten play, they're going to have Maryland and Wisconsin right off the bat. So they're entering into a very difficult part of their schedule. So I don't think that it's um, understated on the team how big that Virginia win was uh, for, for playing on the road, and then, but just the confidence overall for this team. All right, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be previewing Iowa at Iowa State hoops next week. Jordan Bohannon's sixth Cyhawk game. <laughs> All right, time for our Iowa Michigan predictions. Uh, I've I've got my prediction, and I will I will say I went back. I've had a few readers email me and attack me for my Big Ten picks in the paper. I just went back and did the math since Big Ten season started. I'm 32 and 19 against the spread uh, in Big Ten games, and uh, eight and one this year against the spread uh, on Iowa games. So. 
Just wait for my pick at the end. Andrew, you're our guest of honor. I'll let you go first. All right, no surprise here. There's no way I'm not picking the Hawkeyes to win this game, the, the, the biggest game in a long time. Uh, I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think Iowa probably gives up a safety. And so I'm going to give Perfect. Caleb Shudak the walk-off game winner, 20-19 Hawkeyes. 20-19 Hawkeyes. Yeah, there has to be a safety right? if you play Michigan, uh, just like in 2016. Kennington, you have less. Uh, this will be the first time you've seen the Hawkeyes uh, play the Wolverines. What do you think? Yeah, um, it's going to be like, like Andrew said, a dog fight. It's going to be tightly contested. Um, I am taking, um, the points for Iowa, but I am not taking them outright. Um, so I believe they'll cover the 11 points, um, uh, but they're going to lose it, uh, in a very tightly contested game. Uh, Michigan's just going to be a little bit better in the end, I think. So I'll take Michigan to win 17 to 10 in a really ugly Wow, low game. scoring. Uh, the one thing I'm concerned about, guys, I know we're out of time. You look at uh, the Iowa 6-0 start. They averaged uh, defensively 13 points per game on defense, but five of the last six games since that midway point, uh, five of the teams have crossed that 20-point mark. Uh, Just a little more banged up on defense. That's probably my biggest concern for the Hawkeyes. Um, So I I don't think they get the win, guys. But uh, just like in 2015, I think we come out of this game thinking, that was a good Iowa team. I think they make it close. I think they give an inspired performance. I think by the end of it, you you think you're, they get more credit for this game, just like in 15, than anything else. I've got a 24-19 uh, Michigan with four Caleb Shudak field goals. And uh, I'm, I'm going to give Iowa an offensive touchdown as well, Andrew. I like it. I like it. I don't love it, but I like it. And then the Citrus Bowl awaits after that loss. But again, Win and you're in the Rose Bowl, and everyone's rolling to Pasadena. Big right? Ten champions, baby. Big Ten championships. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Hawkeye fans. Safe travels to Indianapolis. We will catch you next week on Hawk Central when we're recapping something with this Iowa football program. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. KXNO AM Des Moines. KXNO FM Ankeny. KKDM HD2 Des Moines. On iHeart Radio Station, now number one for podcasting. what you need to know. It is 8 o'clock Eastern Time. That means we are four hours away from an MLB lockout as the owners and the union met today for a total of seven minutes in advance of the expiration of the collective bargaining agreement. That happens at midnight Eastern Time. On the NBA Hardwood, five games going on right now. First, Atlanta, a 53-53 game with Indiana. They are still playing in the second quarter, 242 in the first half. So far in this contest, 12 points for Kevin Herter and the Hawks. 10 points for DeMontis Sabonis with the Pacers. Denver leading at Orlando, 45-34. That's with 3.30 to play in the first half. While Minnesota now has a 49-45 advantage at Washington. 2.59 to go in the second quarter. In the first quarter, Boston an 18-12 lead over Philadelphia. While Cleveland running away from Miami, 24-10. I'm Ralph Irvin. Box Sports Radio's Odd Couple. One guy's married. One guy is divorced. One guy has no kids. One guy has two beautiful daughters. One guy went to college in a cornfield in Ohio. One guy went to an Ivy League school in the big city. One guy spends his Sunday morning seated in the pew. Sweet Jesus! The other spends it throwing money at the pole. Can these two sports writers share a radio show without driving each other crazy? Live from the Fox Sports Radio studios, here's the odd couple, Chris Broussard and Rob Parker. All right, hour number two 